going to invite Kevin Bender to come up and kick us off here. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we shared the process or what's going to happen in the next few weeks here with um, what's happening today and then again at the AGM. So we, as council, announced that we were going to be presenting Ben as a candidate for the senior pastor. I just wanted to do a bit of a background for some of you who may not know or some of you may uh, don't remember. Uh, just a little bit of history. So a little over three years ago, Rob resigned. I see Rob was here. He must have gone downstairs. But Rob and Edith, we were um, blessed to be part of Rob's ordination service last Sunday in Camrose. Uh, many of you were there, and uh, we just had a great time up there with them. So Rob stepped down a little over three years ago. Ben was appointed as acting senior pastor, so a temporary position. Um, while we went through the process of finding a senior pastor. We, a search committee was established, and they met maybe a couple of times, but we still had to get some a job description parameters together. In the fall of 2019, Ben informed us that he would not be applying for the position. And so then we thought, okay, we're going to go outside and look. But then March 2020 came around, and something happened that just sort of changed things here at the church, well, in our world. Uh, so everything went on hold. Um, ben stayed in the role. We met as council regularly still, but over Zoom uh, for quite a few of the meetings. Um, council had decided in camera that, just for those of you who don't know, in camera is a portion of the business meeting or council meeting where the board meets without the pastor being there. Um, any of the boards that I've been on, that's always scheduled in the agenda. In camera is a session where the general manager, the CEO, whoever, leaves the room and the board discusses things amongst themselves. So in camera, we had discussions where we said Ben should be the pastor. We really felt that he should be, even though he had kind of told us that he wasn't going to apply. Um, over the next several months, we saw quite a transformation in Ben as I know all, many of you have as well. And so that still kept coming up. Ben was not part of that discussion. He did not know that, but we finally did present it to him and I think caught him a little bit off guard. He wasn't expecting it. So he took some time to pray and consider that. And then he developed, a, and he'll probably speak more to this. I'm just speaking more from council side, where he presented a paper to us outlining where he, where he was standing, what he believed, where he felt God was leading him as a pastor. And he said, if you're okay with this, then, then we can move forward. So as council, we looked at this paper. Again, we prayed about it and decided, yeah, we, we still want to present him. The reason we didn't go with the search committee, the search committee was set up to essentially go out to uh, set up an application uh, for to attract candidates for the position. And then they get a number of candidates come in, they sort through them, they will interview maybe two or three people that they want to, <clears throat> before they narrow it down to one. They'll present a single candidate to council, they will invite the candidate to come and spend a weekend here, preach, and then the next week we would vote on it as a congregation. The reason we didn't do that as a council is because we believed we had the candidate that God has called for us at this time. And so that's, that's how we ended up um, where we were. 
Um, another thing we we felt that we have quite an advantage because we know Ben. He knows us. He loves us. Oftentimes, when search committee brings a candidate, it's somebody that nobody knows. Nobody on the search committee knows them. So we've got a huge head start with this. So um, again, we thought that this was a certainly an advantage to us. We believe Ben is the individual God has chosen to lead unity at this time. In the past two years, we've seen the Holy Spirit move in his life and often in ways out of his comfort zone, and yet he's been obedient. Through the Holy Spirit's leading, he has led our church through forgiveness. He's been given and is using the gifts of prophecy and healing. We've heard several testimonies of how God has led others through forgiveness and healing, both spiritual and physical. Through it all, we have witnessed a spirit of humility and a teachable spirit in Ben, I think, which are two of the greatest characteristics in anybody to see. He shares with us what he has heard from God, but charges us to weigh it against Scripture. He loves the Word of God, and it is foundational to all he does. So he's going to share his perspective on all of this. And following the service, as he mentioned, we'll have a potluck. There'll be question and answer for. For Ben, for myself, any other council members that are here, and I think Ben, you said there'll be for a Q and A after after you're done here this morning too. And then on June 29th, which is a Wednesday evening, we'll hold our annual general meeting here. And at the end of the meeting, Ben will leave, and then we can have discussion without him being here, and then a vote on whether we call him as our pastor. And so that's that's the process. And again, if you have any questions following the service, please come and talk to any of us. Thanks, Kevin. Sorry, I'm I'm both a little choked up by what he said. And then um, my grandfather went into the hospital this morning and uh, got that text on at an inconvenient time. So those two things together. Um, let's pray. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be glory. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So this time is yours for your glory and that you would do whatever you want to do. Would you empower me simply to speak your words? Would you equip us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? In Jesus' name, amen. As Kevin uh, alluded to, uh, it, it requires a little bit of an explanation because a couple of years ago, I, I read a letter at a semi-annual meeting here saying, I wasn't going to be applying for this job. Um, and I did that for the sake of the search committee, actually, um, so that they would have an easier time as they began their process. Of course, COVID hit after that, but um, there were some uh, unresolved conflicts in, in the church that I, I deemed to be unresolvable, and uh, a good part of the problem lay with me. And there were, um, as I looked at the role uh, and looked at where the church was going and looked at my own gifting, 
I wasn't sure there was a good enough fit. And, and I went and processed at Camp Caroline for a while and, and came back with the thinking at what I'd heard from the Lord was, you could do it, um, but I'm not necessarily asking you to. It's, it's more or less up to you. And when I looked at my own desires and when I looked at sort of the state of the church at the time, that I'm just not sensing that, I'm not sensing what I need to say yes, so it's a no. Um, read my letter at the semi-annual meeting and then COVID hit and my life fell apart. Um, quite literally. Uh, and, and I've shared that story with you a number of times, but COVID hit and undid me. Um, I, I did not have the spiritual resources to do what I needed to do here at the church to live my own life personally. Of course, we had a baby at like the, the week COVID hit, which didn't really help. Um, been an amazing gift and distraction here. Um, but in the middle of, of COVID hitting and life seeming to grind to a halt, God undid a whole bunch of things and then remade a whole bunch of things in me. And I've shared enough of those stories. I don't really want to repeat them now. You're welcome to ask at some point later on. Um, but by, by September of of 2020, so we're you know eight months into COVID, six months, whatever. I can't do math, but however many months into COVID, and God had been doing sufficient work in me that I, although we weren't really talking much about the search committee at that point, because of course flights were grounded and there were, we weren't even sure if we'd be able to bring in a candidate if they applied from the states and that kind of thing. So the the council just said we're putting all this search committee stuff on pause. And so I, I came to the realization that I, I had examined myself and I had examined the church and I didn't feel like they fit the year before, but God had started changing me and he'd started changing the church. And so I, my entire decision-making process, my entire discernment was completely obsolete. I would have to revisit that question again when the time came. And so I simply told council in September of 2020, there is a chance that I may have to revisit the question of whether or not I apply to this role. So will you just leave me out of those discussions? And it was from then on that council did it all in camera uh, without, without my being there. When council asked me to stand as the candidate for the first time, and when we went through a couple of rounds of this, uh, so that was back in August of last year, end of August. Um, as Kevin said, I presented a paper. That sounded very academic. <laughs> it, was, it was nothing more than, um, I, I think I, I gave him a paper of fill in the blanks, actually, and said, here's where I, here's like to keep you on track. Um, here's where I think God's calling me. And um, it created a lot of discussion, and it continues to create a lot of discussion. Um, I don't think anything that I shared then or that I'll share now will be new um, if you've been around here for the last number of months, year, something like that. Um, but it, it's all together in one, in a more condensed form. And I'm going to do it in a sort of semi-sermon style. Okay.
Would you go with me to Ezekiel 47? I'm sure all of you do your devotions in Ezekiel every day, um, but for the one or two of you who don't, let me give you a little bit of background on where we are in Ezekiel at the moment. Um, Ezekiel is towards the end of a a very long vision that's been taking, um, by this point, seven chapters. Um, He he has an encounter with a a heavenly being. He'll simply describe him as as a man, but if you go back and start, it's, it's a man from heaven. It's a man from God. It's an angelic figure. And, and he is showing Ezekiel, who is a prophet, um, to the exiles in Babylon. So they're in Babylon. Jerusalem has been destroyed, which means the temple has been destroyed, and everyone got taken out of Jerusalem to a foreign country. Okay? And um, God is presenting Ezekiel with a vision of what renewal is going to look like down the road, that as much as you might be facing exile at the moment with zero hope that you'll even get out of that foreign country, let alone that that the kingdom would ever come back together. And once again, the people live in Jerusalem together and that the promises would actually be fulfilled. Um, No one has any hope for that, but this vision starts speaking hope and creating a future that they didn't have. At that time, they were hopeless. The temple had been destroyed. And if you, if you know Ezekiel, you know that before the temple was destroyed, there's actually a description of God's presence leaving the temple. Like, these people had become so wicked that, that God's presence departed from the temple and departed from Israel. You see that vision at the beginning of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 43, so just a couple of chapters before this, this vision that Ezekiel is in at the moment, this man of God shows him the presence is about to come back in the future. It's about to come back to Jerusalem. It's about to come back to a renewed and restored temple. The temple had been destroyed. God's presence is about to come back. And so where we touch down here in Ezekiel 47 is Ezekiel has been shown a vision of a new temple in a restored Jerusalem. And here's what's coming out of the temple. Verse 1 of chapter 47. The the man from heaven brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faces east. The water was coming down from the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside the outer gate facing the east, and the water was trickling from the south side. The man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, and he measured off a thousand cubits. Roughly speaking, that's about half a kilometer. And he led me through through water that was flowing out from the temple, half a kilometer, and it's ankle deep. He measured off Further east, another thousand cubits, so it's about a kilometer now from the temple, and he led me through water that was knee-deep. He measured off another thousand cubits, and he led me through water that was now up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but it was now a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? 
Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of this river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. The Arabah is the like Judean desert. East of Jerusalem is desert. And this water goes from the temple through the desert to the Dead Sea. When it empties into the Dead Sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish. There's no fish in the Dead Sea until this. Because this water flows there and it makes the salt water fresh, so where this river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi, which is halfway to the Dead Sea, to En Eglayim, which is there around the Dead Sea. And there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds. Fish like the Mediterranean, but the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. But fruit trees of all kinds will grow on the banks of of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This is the word of the Lord. Well done. Um, The first thing that I told the council when I said, here's where God is calling me. He, he is calling me to a vision of renewal, revival, to pick whatever word you want that's more palatable for you, but a, a vision that, that comes from an increase in God's presence. The water flows from the sanctuary, and as it goes out, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. God is calling me, and I think he is calling unity, to a a renewal movement where he increases his presence among us and the rest of the vision happens as a result. I don't think of what the church needs so much in terms of programs. This church would be better off if we had an alpha. This church would be better off if we had divorce care, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think that the greatest need that all churches have is an increase in God's presence and activity there. And that's the way I think. And that has impacts. But I believe it comes right from scripture. That's what I think he's calling. That's why I know he's calling me to. That's what I think he's calling unity to. It's a vision of renewal through an increase in God's presence. Do you see what happens as the river flows out? Do you see where it goes? East of Jerusalem is desert. And when you follow it far enough east, you hit the deadest thing in the world. You hit the Dead Sea where nothing lives. In fact, the Dead Sea basically collects waste and pollutants because it's the lowest point on the earth. All the water flows in, and the only way the water leaves is by evaporation. 
This is a picture in scripture of God bringing renewal to deserts and dead things. And it comes from an increase in God's presence as it goes out. That's what he is calling me to. That's what he is calling us to. It is a beautiful picture. Renewal. God promises that there will be renewal to places that are dead as we see an increase in his presence. That's what he's calling me to. I think he's calling us as well. The second one is healing. Um, this translation obscures it. Most translations do. But if you, if you read this um, in some of the either older translations, more wooden word-for-word translations, what you'll see is it says in verses 9 and 10 um, that as the, as the water from the sanctuary, the river flows out, what it does is it says it heals the Dead Sea. It it doesn't say the waters will become fresh. That's an interpretive translation. What the Hebrew word there is healing. It will heal the Dead Sea. It will heal the waters there. And what you see in this picture here then is, what does it say about the, the trees that grow on each side of that river? Last verse, their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Healing always goes with presence because renewal has more than just a spiritual buzz to it. It affects bodies and souls. And that's and Jesus shows us this. In fact, when Jesus says he's sending out people with good news, what does he say to them? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. In other words, those people got healed and Jesus sent them out to say, that's the good news of the kingdom. God will do it for you too. Freely you have, we sing, freely, freely you have received, freely, freely give. What's the song, what's the verse actually talking about? It's Matthew 10, go look it up. It's, I'm coming to bring healing to people. And we see it in Jesus, the healer. Sarah read it for us this morning. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. I haven't yet seen everyone I've prayed for get healed. I don't know how to explain that. I'm willing to live with that reality, but I'm willing to pray. I actually carry um, oil on my keychain now um, because I want to be ready to pray for healing for whoever needs it. Because I'm, then the more people I'm praying for, the more people I'm seeing get healed. That's what Jesus did. Basic discipleship, I think. That's what he is calling me to. And we have shared testimony after testimony after testimony up here of people finding healing. He's calling us to something. He's inviting us into something. Healing is a result of an increase in God's presence where he shows up on the earth, what does he do? What's Jesus known for? 
He's known for every type of healing. That's what he's calling me to. Would you flip back a couple of chapters? Ezekiel 37. These two visions complement each other. This one. Ezekiel 37 is the famous Valley of Dry Bones. You're probably familiar with this if you're familiar with anything in Ezekiel. Verse one, the hand of the Lord came upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley and they were very dry. And he said to me, mortal, can these bones live? And I answered, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I'll lay sinews on you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I'd been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews upon them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. And I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man or mortal, depending on your translation, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and we are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves, when I bring you up from your graves, O my people, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you on your own soil. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. It's a picture of healing, but I'll leave the healing to aside for a moment. Did you notice that what he said was, son of man, say this. Ezekiel had to learn to hear the voice of God in order for that to happen. We don't get Ezekiel. We don't get this beautiful vision if we haven't first learned to hear the voice of God. If if Ezekiel hadn't, we wouldn't have it here. I had a dream last night, oddly enough. Um, I was back to my McDonald's days, and I was there. We were cooking on a, there was a grill there, and there were eggs cooking on the grill. The eggs are the staple of breakfast, right? And there was a second grill beside it, and that grill was on its side, useless. It's not being used. We, in our um, Baptist tradition, 
have done the word of God really well. We have fantastic eggs. We have the staple of breakfast, right? We have exactly what we need to get a breakfast going, to get it started. There's more to breakfast than eggs. There's a grill that isn't being used, and it's called the voice of God. It's called prophecy. And we have to grow in that in order that these complement one another. We have to grow in the ability to discern the voice of God and share it with others in order to feed them. In my dream, we were behind in breakfast where not enough people were getting fed because I only had one grill going. We needed the second one. God is calling this church. He's calling me to become a person who can help others recognize and discern and share the voice of God. It is absolutely essential. Let me share a story with you I read this week. Um, It's a book called Indestructible by a a guy named Blake Healy. Blake Healy has an interesting gift. Um, He has the ability to see what would otherwise be unseen to everyone else. Angels, demons, their spiritual realities, and so on, with his physical eyes. And there are actually a couple of people in the church that do have this, and I'm not going to out them. Um, but this isn't some weird one-off wacko guy. Um, there are people you know uh, with names to this. One of the reasons I'm reading the book. He shares a very interesting story. At our church, Bethel Atlanta, we have prayer lines available at the front of every service following the service. This is a great opportunity for our ministry team to pray for the sick for people who are going through a difficult time or for people who just want a touch from the Lord. Just as the service was wrapping up one Sunday, I suddenly had the impulse to join the ministry team to pray for people. It had been a while since I had served, so I jumped on the line with the rest of the ministry team as they assembled. And a few minutes later, a woman came in her mid-50s. She came up and stood in front of me. I introduced myself and asked what I could pray for. She says, So my life is basically a disaster, the woman said with a flat expression on her face. Oh, okay, I said, pausing for a moment to see if she made any indication that she was joking, but she did not. My kids hate me. My husband won't talk to me. I have arthritis in both knees and in my right hand, and I just lost my job. Oh, I said, unsure how to respond. That's pretty bad. Yep. So you just want me to go ahead and pray for all that? Sure, she said, her tone growing somewhat flatter. I've done all the praying I can do about it, and God hasn't done anything about it yet. Maybe he'll listen to you. Well, I knew that my prayers were no more special than hers, but did not want to argue that point. After asking permission, I laid my hand on her shoulder and I spoke a short prayer. I saw three angels gather behind her as I prayed. Each had a large canvas bag slung over its shoulder. I was wondering what they had in the bags when one of the angels loosened the string on the top of the bag, revealing hundreds of stamped envelopes. They were all in different sizes and shapes. Some were clean white and others were dull, aged yellow. But all of them had the same red ink stamp in one corner that said, Undelivered. 
I finished my prayer. Um, I finished my prayer and looked up at the woman. Her expression had not changed. So you said that you'd prayed about all of this already, right? Uh-huh, she said. How do you pray? What do you, what do you say when you pray? I just ask God to fix the problem. Well, do you get an answer? Well, the problem's still there, so no. I, I looked again at the bags of undelivered letters. I see three angels standing behind you with big bags of undelivered mail. I think it means that God has a lot to say to you, but it hasn't been coming through. Have you ever learned about how to hear God's voice? I guess not, no. I proceeded to give a brief description of the different ways that God speaks, how he does not always speak in plain English and that he often speaks through visions or the still small voice or impressions, how creative he is with the way that he speaks to us. I'm, I'm wondering if you feel so powerless about everything that's happening in your life because you haven't heard what God has to say about it yet. I continued. Would you like to try to hear him now? Like right now? Yeah, I said, let's ask God what he has to say about your job situation. Okay. I laid my hand on her shoulder, again prayed, God, what do you have to say about her job? One of the angels reached into the canvas bag on its shoulder and pulled out a small letter. As I prayed, the angel opened the envelope and pulled out a single sheet of paper that was covered in gold handwriting front and back. Before I could read any of the words, the angel tipped the letter over the woman's head as if she were holding, as if he were holding a pitcher of water rather than a sheet of paper. The words in the sentences on the pages tumbled off the edge, turning to fine golden dust as they dripped down and landed on the top of the woman's head. Did you just hear something? I asked. She was silent for a long moment before she said, No, I didn't hear anything, but right before you asked, I just felt this sense of peace wash over me all of a sudden. That's great. It's, it's nice, she said, but what does it mean? Does it mean that I'm going to get a new job? Does it mean that God isn't worried about me losing my job? Does it mean that I just need to chill out about all this? I laughed. It means that God is releasing peace on you. That's all. If he has more to say about it, then he'll give you more. What about my husband? She said, her, her voice carrying a twinge of emotion for the first time in our conversation. Can we ask God about that? Of course. We prayed again. And again, I saw one of the angels produce an envelope from one of the canvas bags. The angel pulled out another note written in golden ink from the new envelope, but this time, instead of tipping it, the angel laid the note across the top of the woman's head. Did you hear or, or feel something else? I asked. She said, I, I just had this picture pop into my head like a memory that I didn't have. And then suddenly a trickle of tears came down her face. It's me and my husband. We're talking and laughing like we did when we first met, but we look like we do now. That's beautiful. Well, what is it? She asked, tears still flowing. I think it's a promise. I think he's showing you what he's going to do. Three weeks later, she came running up to tell me that she'd gotten a new job, one that paid even better than the old one. Two months later, she told me that she and her husband were renewing their vows. 
a month after that, she said that all her kids were coming over for dinner for the first time in years. After a year, nearly every part of her life had been renewed, all because she learned to hear the voice of God. I cried. I never cry when I read books. I cried when I, I saw that picture of the unopened letters. Because God dearly wants to talk to us and cares about the stuff you talk to him about. But until we develop the ear to hear what it is that he is responding to our complaints and our questions and our problems with, the, the mail goes undelivered. And I, it is one of my missions in life now to make sure no one gets undelivered mail from God. We always test everything we hear against scripture. I feel like if I have to say that one more time, I'm going to be sick. Duh. Okay. But God speaks not only through scripture. And if you want to hear about what's going on in your life, if you want to, to enter into that conversational relationship, it's possible. My sheep hear my voice. That's what I feel deeply called to. There are other things I feel called to, reaching, caring for people. I, I don't really feel like I need to share that kind of stuff. We've known each other for long enough. Fit. Fit is about, as I understand it, who is this church and who is this pastor and how do they meet? Where do they fit together? Is there alignment there? And as I think about where this church is at, what I see are the same three things that I just listed for you happening in me, also happening in the church. I see people getting renewed. I see people who, who are no longer satisfied with, I have, I'm, I'm ankle deep and I'm good with that in the river. I am seeing a growing number of people who are saying that river goes farther. I'm going wherever it goes, as deep as it goes. So I think I'm a fit for that. I, I'm seeing people get healed. I, in fact, we have a healing prayer team here, which even if I walk out the door, we'll still be here. I think I'm a fit for that. I, I'm seeing a growing number of people here who are discovering that there's undelivered mail in opening those letters. And I would like to help more and more people discover that. I think I'm a fit for that. We said we were going to have Q&A. So are there questions, comments, things you want to raise? You, you said this, but what about? Uh, I've always wondered about this. You explained that Ezekiel vision again to me. I got kind of lost. Anything that you want to ask, ask either me, ask Kevin, a more search process and so on, you have that opportunity. Questions, comments? Knock them dead, Benjamin. Brother Joel? That's great. That's what an interesting question. I'd never thought about it that way. Thanks, Joel. Joel's question, if you couldn't hear, was, well, you went back to, you went to Camp Caroline in 2019 to hear from the Lord and you felt you heard the Lord say this, this, and this, but now you hear the Lord differently. Are you sure you got it right the first time? Um, 
yes, I, I am quite sure that I heard the Lord right at that time because um, my, my assumption about hearing the voice of the Lord was essentially at that time that it was only for big stuff. So I went with the assumption that he would speak, but I didn't go with the understanding that I could talk to the Lord about parenting my kids. Um, quick story. Even a couple of weeks ago, I was sharing with a couple of you, there's one, one of our children I just don't get. They, they think so differently than me. They act so differently than me. And, and as, as they grow, um, it was like I, the, the differences are becoming more apparent. And, and, it, and it's showing um, a weakness in my parenting. And Tal and I were praying about it the other night. And all of a sudden, she, she pipes up and says, like, I got it. Like, he, just, he just told me what, what the issue is, what the problem is, like what we, what we do. It had to do with a love language. Like, he just dropped it. I mean, like, we didn't, get the, we didn't get the entire puzzle, but we got a couple pieces that night because we started assuming that God would speak to us. Um, I always assumed that he would speak to me about coming to unity. I, I had a framework for discernment on big things, but not on smaller things. You know, the big life moves. Um, but yeah, it's been a huge growing experience in terms of learning to recognize that God actually, God actually wants to talk about where you're going next in your day. And even sometimes about what food you're choosing <laughs> and um, the way your, uh, your, your friends or your, your routines are influencing you right now. Um, wants to talk to you about um, the things that he enjoys and how you make him smile. I had no framework for that. Um, I, I, I thought that the Ezekiels were rare until I reread the New Testament and saw my sheep hear my voice. And, when, and, and in Acts 2, when God says, in, in the last days, meaning now, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people and everyone, young, old, male, female, status, no status, gets the opportunity to prophesy. Prophecy is just learning to listen to the voice of God and then share it with others. Every single person gets it, but I didn't have that framework then. So, yeah, interesting question. Thanks. Other questions, comments? Save your criticisms for <laughs> no. Feel free. Marco? Has God revealed anything to me about Unity's future as we partner with Hope Mission, move into a new facility, and so on? I'm not sure I'd be ready to say, thus says the Lord, but it's pretty obvious that we're actually in the middle of a couple of different transitions within unity, the pastor only being one of them. Um, what I actually continue to hear from the Lord is unity thinks hope mission is a really big thing. It's actually a blip compared to what God wants to do at unity. We have been so overly focused 
on hope mission for the last however many years, guys, you have no idea what God wants to do at Unity. It, 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 that, that silly building is so small. You, you don't set all of your hopes and dreams for unity on hope mission. My goodness. God, God has given you a foretaste in the last couple of years about what he wants to do at unity, and it's an invitation. You want to see what God wants to do at unity? Start paying attention to what he's doing. What is he doing among us? That's why we share the testimonies. Because they're, they're a signpost. You know how often in the Gospels, it describes what Jesus did as a sign to them. Signs point to something else. God is pointing out something at unity these days. Pay attention. It's not Hope Mission. I bless Hope Mission. I'm thrilled with it. I think it's an excellent partnership, a a great use of resources. It's going to bless the socks off our neighborhood, 100% behind it. God is going to do something in this congregation that is absolutely irrelevant to the building. And it looks more like a river. (laughs) It looks more like a valley of dry bones when the spirit comes down. It looks more like leaves on a tree with food for healing, food for nourishment and healing for a desert. Don't get focused on hope mission. We bless it. We partner with it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Pay attention to what God's doing. Hope mission is a very small part of that. End of rant. Thank you, Marco. I, I know you had, you probably thought I was going to go in a very different direction than that. But other questions, comments? Let's close in prayer. Lord, do whatever you have to do in me to in us and in us to make sure that we are in that river, beside that river, seeing life and seeing your spirit go to desert and dead places, whatever you have to do in me and in us. Make this neighborhood come alive. May that river flow from what you do here and what you do in each of us to the places that need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Jesus picks up this image. The, The river flowing came to me in prayer. Jesus picks up this image. If any of you will come to me and drink, if you believe in me and you come to me and drink, then out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And the text says, he said this about the Holy Spirit. We come to Jesus and you learn how to drink from Jesus. It says to me, anyone who be- says anyone who believes in me and drinks. You know, I, I'm not the least bit interested in just helping people get facts straight anymore. I'm deeply interested in helping people come to meet Jesus and continue to drink because as you come to Jesus and drink, you get a river that will change the world.
end of sermon part two. Let's worship again, and then we're going to move on to our potluck. Remember, we now have potluck. All of you are welcome to stay, whether you brought something or not. I'm going to pray for the food, bless you as well, and we'll go. Lord, thank you for our time of worship this morning where we said, Jesus is amazing. You are faithful, Lord. Have your way in us. Continue to do that. Would you bless the food? Would you um, bless our conversation together, the community time as we have it now, the family time that we get together? And would you continue to do your work among us and make us faithful to you? May our faithfulness, faithfulness measure up to yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, bless those of you who are online. Thank you for being here. 